depression is so very hard to experience and hard to, to watch in someone else. And left untreated, it can get much worse. But many people are suffering in silence. And when that, when that happens, it can lead to thoughts of suicide. Today, I'm talking to somebody who has inside experience of this. Uh, she is life coach and sound healer, Judith Quinn. But first of all, I'm going to ask her what it is that stresses her out on a day-to-day -day basis. Oh, what stresses me out on a day-to-day -day basis? It depends on the day, but there are a few um, repeat offenders. Uh, the first being tech. So when I don't, when I think I know how something should work and then it's not working the way it's meant to work, that drives me insane. That gets me, yes. that's probably the thing, that's probably the biggest repeat offender. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Yeah. How, how do you deal with that because that sounds like something you kind of happen upon by accident isn't it really but yeah so well there's one piece of uh, software I suppose we call it that I have that I use and I know it's slow and yet every time I used it 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 still winds me up that it's as slow as it is <laughs> so um but normally what I try to do is so for it for that as an instance I go okay I know that this piece of software is slower stop breathe everything I mean you know I have to take my own advice right my signature on my emails is if in doubt breathe yes. so stop breathe remind myself I know that this is slow so that's for that one and then any other tech stuff that I'm not getting it's it is a matter of stopping. It's just like, okay, it's stop. Stop in the moment. Take a step back. Remind myself that this isn't my expertise. Am I doing it right? Because that's the trouble with tech is if the human is inputting the right stuff, the tech should work. So um, if I'm really getting to the point where I just want to throw my computer out the window, might happen occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I normally stop and I, I've got a couple of IT geeky friends who are going, right, come on, Judith, you know the thing that is your biggest thing, ask for help. And then I will contact my IT geeky friends and ask for help. I, I think this is such a common thing for everyone. And it's certainly one of my biggest things. And so for me, uh, my uh, problem is I, I, I have to do it all super quick because I've just got a slither of time. And so it's like parachuting in, looking to see what I've got to do, can't work it out, get frustrated and parachute back out. That, that, that is my other thing. My other thing is I know I'm as, as one of nature's eternal extreme optimists, <laughs> I do always <laughs> think that I can do a job in half an hour that actually, no, I need to allow two hours for. So the other thing I try to do is try to remember, okay, how long do I really need for this yeah. job? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Give yourself far more time than you need. Absolutely. I try. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Well, now let's talk about what we're here to talk about then. Yes. You've had an experience in your life that you referred to as the blip. Yeah. And that led you to that dark place, didn't it? So yes. uh, as little or as much as you would like, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? So it was the summer of 2016. Yeah. And 
there was a whole load of stuff that led up to it. I mean, suicidal thoughts aren't something that was strange to me, although I thought they were normal. So <laughs> I thought, so for example, back in, I don't know when it was, I was 31. So whenever that would have been, um, 2004, probably. Yes. Let's not worry about it. Don't worry about it. I think 2004. Um, but it's, it's important because it's, that's how long before 2016 it was. Okay. Um, so I was going through just a heavy phase. I was like, oh, I'm 31. I own nothing. I've never had a long-term relationship. I'm living in a bed suit. I'm working five yucky jobs to try and support my acting career. La la la. And I'd find myself very often standing on normally London Bridge uh, train platform station, wondering, oh, I wonder what would happen if I threw myself in front of the train. And I started writing a one woman play about it. It's like that moment and all the thoughts that go through your head. And because I live on my own and I'm being single and da da da, it's like, well, how long would it take until anyone actually noticed? Because no one actually bloody phones me. And this in 2016, the people not calling me thing, the me feeling like I was always the one having to reach out was a big part of my stuff. And so, yeah, so this play, and I was playing it out in my head and, um, I started writing it. So, you know, how long would it take? Would it take until the fruit in the fruit bowl was fermenting and a funny smell was coming from under the bedsit door? Um, who would turn up to my funeral? Who would feel guilty that they hadn't been in touch? Who would I want to feel guilty? that? So I'd had those thoughts in 2004, uh, which speaking to a psychotherapist friend of mine, now turns out apparently not normal. Uh, <laughs> not good mental health yeah. because well but the thing is back then I, I talked to actor friends and they go oh, what are you up to and blah 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 so I'm kind of writing this one woman play and they go oh what's it about and I would say to them well you know that moment when you're on the edge of a train platform and you're wondering oh what if and they'd all go oh yes so I thought everyone had these thoughts um no apparently just you know insecure actors <laughs> so it's such a, tr a tricky profession isn't it yeah. There's so much rejection and, and there's so many gaps between work for many, for many, it's, it's... And we go into it because we're not secure people. I mean, I swear a collective noun of actors should be an insecurity of, of actually just put performers in there, artists, dancers, musicians, actors, chuck us all into an insecurity of. So that was 2004, but it didn't go to a place where I was actually really thinking about stuff. In 2016, a whole load of things had happened. And then I went to a barbecue where an ex-boyfriend, he was, he was my ex, had been my ex for a while. Um, um, he was there and there was a mutual friend of ours who had a friend who we knew, but he was being with her the way he used to be when we first met. And that was my trigger. I was just, that was all my, oh, I'm not good enough. Look, that, because I'd kind of convinced myself that that version of him didn't exist. I was like, no, I just must have made up that version of him. And there he was being like this with this other woman who I knew and liked, but it just all my, I'm not good enough stuff, plus alcohol, um, all came up together. And with all the other stuff as well, I, I was in overwhelm. I was, I mean, I was acting, as an actor, I was also an agent. I was in a co-op, which is an actor's agency run by actors for actors. So I had to do one day a week in there. I was 
running my massage therapy business, my sound healing, and I was training as a life coach and setting up my life coaching business. And, and, and. So it really was the trigger. And it was that, it was after that night and I just dove down into the, into the blackness, which is, you know, waking up every morning, exasperated by the fact that I'd woken up. It's going, God, it would be so much easier if I woke up dead. Um, and that's when I'd asked myself the really clever question after just moping in tears for however long. Um, I'd asked myself the really clever question, which was whose day-to-day -day life would it actually affect if I wasn't here anymore? And the clever thing about that question is the day to day, because I knew that it would devastate my friends and families if I took myself out of this, this life. Like I, I knew that. So the clever bit about that question was whose day to day life, because that I could negate. And I would go through my list of my closest friends and closest family. I'm like, yes, but they've got that and they've got that. And then I'd get down. The last two were always in the same order. The last two were always my baby brother, who I have a lovely, wonderful relationship with. We seldom finish a phone call without saying I love you. And this was true back then. And I was like, yeah, oh, of course he'd be devastated. But he's got his wife and they've got a baby on the way. So it won't affect his day to day life. So clever. Um, and then the last one was always my mum. And thankfully, my mum was still single or is still single. And so she, I knew she didn't have anyone else. And I was just like, no, I couldn't do that to my mum. So I had a very strong safety net in my sense of over-responsibility to my mother, which has, again, been part of my challenges in life. But that sense of I couldn't do that to my mum was thankfully my safety net. So, um, so my my psychotherapist friend who I spoke to about this about a year and a half after the event, she, her first words were thoughts, plans or actions. Yeah. And I just said, I said, oh, thoughts, because I couldn't because of my mom. She's like, OK, you've got a strong safety net. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was my blip. And that as a thing lasted, I don't know, four weeks, five weeks of, of that real depth of before I then went, OK, Judith, you're not going to do anything about this. So what's next so so what you're saying there judith if, I, if i've understood you correctly is there was a whole series of comparing yourself where you are now to where you should be in life the should mm -hmm. It was that's so cheering, aren't they? So I should I should have achieved this. I should have achieved that. And then that key thing about the boyfriend with the new woman. Yeah. And treating her in a way that you had been treated before created some perhaps regret or something or again, a comparison. It was all the internal. I'm not good enough stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good enough. So and that was, again, all the other overwhelm that was going on the acting career, the the having to do, go into the agency, the, all the other businesses, the financial stresses, yeah. just all of that. It's just like, oh, like really? And, and on top of that, the thing, you know, that I'd said that was one of the things that came into the script that I was writing. And it's like, why do my friends and family never call me? Why am I always the one reaching out? Why am I, and it's just, and of course, key to all of this, is I wasn't expressing any of this stuff to anyone. So yeah. as far as the rest of the world knew, I was just still busy Judith, crazy social life, 
da da da. I wasn't expressing any of what was going on. Yeah, so so that was going to be my other question. What would people have noticed in you uh, that could have given them a clue to what was going on? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No. So they're just uh, busy, uh, outgoing, humorous. That's what yeah. they would have seen. The same Judith that they always see. So they would have had no clue. No. I'm just wondering how many of them don't phone because they think you're too busy, maybe. I yeah. Exactly. You know, it, it's so I know that your work now is about expressing yourself, isn't it? A part of what you do. And so you weren't expressing your need to actually be contacted sometimes to see uh, if, if you wanted to go out somewhere or have a walk or whatever. Or how are you? Yeah. Or just someone phoning me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is a it is a huge difference. So um, so you're. So that lasted for about four weeks, which is a long time to be in that dark place. Um, and the thing, you know, the questions that you asked and eventually your mum, is there anything else that you did that helped yourself to, to uh, get yourself back on an even keel emotionally? So what was interesting is I did try to tell people. So, well, I thought I was. So I would phone friends and go, hey, it's me just calling for a chat. It would be really good to speak with you. So give me a call when you can. But what I didn't say was, hi, it's me. I'm feeling really miserable and like I'm in hell right now. I need you. Mm -hmm. um, the one person who I did say I wasn't, I was feeling bad to was actually my mum, bless her. Um, and she, I just said, you know, I just feel unwanted, which was the thing and she just laughed and you know that uncomfortable laugh which someone who loves you and desperately wants you in their life is just like oh great thanks <laughs> so she's like oh don't be stupid you know you're wanted and I was like no no that's the point of this and then it was, but like now in my right head I know it's because she's so uncomfortable with that feeling she doesn't want her child to be feeling that let alone express saying it and she probably felt like she like I so I'm not good enough um, but mum saying that made me go, I'm not going to bother telling anyone because if, if that's so that's about keeping, keeping silent about something that hurts. So you actually in the reaching out to friends, I thought what you said was a pretty strong hint that you wanted to chat. It was <laughs> like, if you get a chance, it was, it was fairly clear, but not very clear. No. Um, and so with people listening, there's two areas to, uh, to this, I guess. Uh, what can people do to help themselves? But also, what could others do, like your mum, who, who said, don't be silly, of course. What can people say that makes you feel more validated? Because that is, um, I'm sure she didn't mean it, but it, it's, it's kind of saying, well, no. <laughs> Yeah, feel that way, <laughs> or it's right no, because yeah. it, it's how you feel whether it's right or wrong. So, what thoughts yeah. do you have on that? So, the first thing was, I wasn't, you know, obviously this this chat is about stress, and I wasn't dealing with all the stresses that I had. Yeah, yeah. So there was, you know, the the, the multiple jobs, the money, the boyfriend stuff. Look, so I was allowed. I let all of that build up. So what I could have done is to actually express my need for help. And when you're overly independent, 
Um, and uh, as someone who takes on the responsibility and is the one who you feel I'm always the one that other people have come to it's hard to ask for help it's hard to say um, I'm not coping or uh, would someone else please do this because I'm going bonkers here going quite literally so asking for help catching yourself yeah in the moments because I don't want anyone to have to go to where I went to let alone any further down the line let alone to plans or actions and having actually lost my niece to suicide two years after I was in my blip my 22 year old niece took herself out of this world and I'd only actually met her four times because she's Canadian and grew up over there um and her doing that impacted my day-to-day life so anyone who is listening who is under that kind of stress who might have be having those thoughts and going yeah well it's true who would um, I can tell you from first-hand experience of losing my niece, who I'd only met four times, that her doing that completely impacted my day-to-day life. Yeah. In some ways, in a good way, because it helps me talk about this stuff. Yeah. And I even have a talk I take into businesses, which is called Stop Suffering in Silence. And that is what I invite you to do. I invite you to stop suffering in silence, to ask for help where you can, to, to acknowledge the things that are stressing you and to say okay what can I do something about I mean eventually I decided to take a break from acting I was like right what is the one thing in my life I've got all of these things right what is the one thing in my life that is giving me nothing back Mm -hmm. and at that time it was acting so that's why I took a break from acting so ask yourself what is it what can I do about it who might be able to help um very large wasp yeah yeah (laughs) an annoying uh vespa (laughs) sorry um yeah so who 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 can help and what questions can i ask so like me with the tech right when i'm getting that stressed stop take a break who might be able to help okay my it friends um when if you are on the other side i would say especially because it's I wrote an article about this a couple of years ago called The Curse of the Strong One. And if you're listening and you've got a friend or family member in your life who is the strong one, who everyone just thinks is sorted, who is the outgoing one, who's the life and soul of the party, who you think that their life is crazy busy, I invite you to reach out to them once in a while. I invite you to call them and just say, checking in, wanted to see how you're doing. Because it's, it's, that that much harder for those of us who are overly independent yeah um, to pick up the phone or to ask for help also there's a, there's a lovely principle of asking how are you doing and then saying how are you really doing yes so that it's not just that thing that we all say how are you fine, fine thanks yeah yeah great um so that that's kind of like a, a permission to to go a bit deeper because we're all a yes. bit superficial with the how are you aren't we yes so it's, that's really good how are you so funny so how are you is possibly the worst question in the world um if you <laughs> have got someone who is not great and have got to the point of being fed up with it um bless one of my best friends from university her partner when i was bringing myself out which i did i brought myself out out of my blip um thankfully i had the skills and ability to do that but as i was bringing myself out of it we met hadn't seen her for ages she and i aren't that close she said so how are you went slightly suicidal actually but that's nothing to do with you uh, what's good in your world <laughs> her face the poor poor woman she was like 
sorry, did you just say slightly suicidal? I went, yeah, but don't worry, I'm bringing myself through it. Oh <laughs> I'm like, right, you're asking me how I am? I'm going to tell you how I am. Yeah. So, it's bravery to do that. I hope you got what you needed from that honesty. <laughs> it was just, it was just happened to be at the time when I was just going, right, I'm just telling everyone this is how I am yeah um I am not good (laughs) so um yeah I realized during that phase that what's good in your world is a really good question to ask (laughs) rather than how are you yeah um so yeah so reach out and if someone is opening up to you even if what they are saying might be hurting you even if it's making you feel like oh so I'm not good enough for you like I just I'm sure bless my mum she must have just been like well of course you're wanted of course you know you're wanted but because it wasn't by my mom I felt not wanted because my stuff was all to do with my dad's stuff the ex-boyfriend he was I mean he'd been a dad trigger even when we were going out I said to him once look I had a dad who never showed me or told me that he didn't love me I don't need that from my boyfriend <laughs> so um so the not wanted was all my dad's stuff so it's like I knew completely knew I was wanted by my mom but it's always the stuff that we haven't received yeah that is the stuff that impacts us so much more because fear pain hurt other the bigger emotions and love is safe so we don't pay it so much attention yeah it's really interesting what you say there as well because part of making a safety plan for somebody is to look at who in your life you can trust what you have in your life that is good because we tend to focus on the what's not right or what's not good and uh, also recognizing triggers so I love where you looked at right what there's too much going on for me now what's not working for me I'm going to let that go and and it may be that you brought it back but just for now because you were kind of studying quite a lot weren't you and starting your own practice so um so kind of really understanding uh where you are with things in fact with a lot of people understanding that in a, in a way that is, has self-compassion can be enough for them hmm. to kind of go, yeah. just acknowledging themselves rather than I should be like this or I should be like that or or I can't, you know, who am I to, you know, to be feeling these feelings that people are worse off than me. Uh, and actually that's a yeah, thing that, to say to somebody, there's a lot of people worse off than you. That's uh, very triggering. That's, and that is, and that's why I, I didn't call the Samaritans and the Samaritans are exactly who are there for me. But I was like, oh, well, I, now I know that I'm not going to do anything about it. Like, I'm not bad enough. There's almost that like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not depressed enough to do that. Um, I'm not depressed enough to talk about it on something like this platform. Whereas actually, you know, not the human experience is a whole range. So again, with a lot of like, motivational speakers or if you get their whole disaster story and think well you know I'm not homeless drug addict um being abused so my pain isn't bad enough but our pain is our pain no matter what it is or where it comes from absolutely and yeah so that's what I would say is what I mean I was blessed I was able to bring myself out of this because I have the tools to use and the single-mindedness and that complete knowledge of once I've made a choice I will do it but knowing what stresses you feeling knowing the the feelings in your body knowing how it impacts you physiologically knowing what that relates to so for mine a lot of the time it's either feeling unwanted or it's feeling out of control so yesterday I was getting a bit stressed and I realized it's because I had lots of jobs to do and I wasn't finishing any of them 
So it's like, right, what can I control? What jobs can I get finished? So yeah. that will make me feel like I've got some control. Yeah. So noticing your little stresses yeah. and managing them really helps manage the bigger stresses and reduce the amount of stress and overwhelm because it's when we hit overwhelm love, it's too much. I love that idea Judith about uh you know starting lots of things not finishing them and just making what can I start and finish today because that's a sense of achievement and when we have a sense of achievement it creates dopamine in the body which is one of the things that helps us feel good. Yes. So we've got uh recognizing the triggers self-compassion reaching out to people being clear about what you need yes. um addressing the issues but also recognizing when sometimes so you were lucky that you were able to help yourself but there are some people where actually you need to talk to a professional so understanding when that is true for you yeah and i i tried to but ironically so I, I did this whole exercise, which is what's obvious. It's like, I need help was the first thing that was obvious. Yeah. So like, right. What's obvious? Who do I know who can help me? And then there's a woman who I know who's an holistic energy healer, but she's also a qualified psychotherapist. I was like, she's perfect. I phoned up. Um, no answer. Got a call back a couple of days later. Oh, sorry. She's on holiday and she's fully booked till November. And this is in the July, I think. I went, mean, yeah. yeah, I'm slightly suicidal now. So November's not going to help. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Then I tried another and she was on holiday and I was like, oh, okay, okay, come on. What's obvious. And that's when I went, okay, this is about my dad. What's obvious about that. It's like, well, we've got a better relationship. Oh, I could just ask him, what do I need to ask him? And so then I went deep onto that and, and it got to the point where I realized I needed to ask him one simple question. And again, this is where I was using what I do with my clients when I, I help my clients have challenging conversations. So I was taking myself through my process that I do with them, getting rid of the blame, getting rid of the accusation, just going, what is it I need to know? And it came to a very simple question was, did you ever really want me in your life? That was it. And I was in, lucky enough that I'm in a place where he's still alive. So I could ask him. Um, so it's, it's that. So when it comes to expressing yourself, you just said it. And I think it's important to repeat it is having the real clarity in what you're asking for. Yeah. Having that clarity of saying, I need help. I just need someone to come and sit with me this evening. Or mm -hmm. I need someone to um do the school run because i'm just overwhelmed i need someone to cook my meals in the evening i need someone to take this job off me i need someone to come and let me vent at them and not give me any feedback whatever it is try to be as specific as possible and as clear as possible i think one of the things so venting is is a big thing so uh what i notice when i'm working with people is if they if they vent somebody gets really sensitive as if it's about them but it's just somebody letting things out so if you've got somebody um you know a, a loved one who is just venting not to take it personally but just make it a safe place for them to just let things out mm because it, being stuck inside is very toxic and, and can fuel those feelings of overwhelm that you were referring to. Yeah, and that's where sometimes talking to someone who's not a close friend or not a close family member, so either a distant friend or an acquaintance or going to a professional, that's where that really helps. Yeah. Just to release the, the pressure valve, because otherwise if you're suffering in silence, 
like you're suffering and it's going nowhere it's staying inside you and that will either cause mental breakdown physical breakdown or emotional breakdown or all three yeah so you know you don't know what dis-ease will be created yeah so I, I use that as well. Disease can create disease. Yeah. Um, uh, but also it's an it's a really permanent solution to a temporary problem. So get getting the help. So what I'm going to do at the end of this video or, or podcast, I'm doing this as a recording now, uh, is I will give some resources that people can access that are free. Uh, but if in doubt, do get professional help. Uh, yeah. because, um, your life is too important. And I just want to say, I now know someone who volunteers for the Samaritans. She's like, you are exactly the kind of person we're there for. Oh. It's not just for people who are about to take their life. Yeah. Something like the Samaritans or Mind or the other free services that are out there. Yeah. They, are, they are there exactly for someone in the position that I was in. Yeah. But I just thought, oh, no, they're only there for people who are about to end their life. And that's not true at all. They are there as an ear. So it's really important. To and and there's, there's one of the resources that I'll give is, is for men specifically because I think they um, suffer yeah. in a very different way because they feel they have to be strong and they you know they can't have these emotions so you know they they have a different kind of suffering so I will give a resource for that too okay. thank you so much for being so open and sharing and uh, and for doing the work that you do as well that does help people who are in a very stuck place yeah so I hope everybody's enjoyed this uh, sensitive and very important subject as much as I have and, and uh, hopefully um, might be helpful to other people that you know. What I now do is ask my uh, guests if there's a book that they've read that they found particularly useful and uh, might be beneficial to others. And you had one in, in particular, didn't you, Judy? I do. And I read this when I was 17. So my mum and I have been on the old self-awareness journey for quite a long time. Um, and I love it. And it's simple and it's short. It's not even 80 pages and half of them are pictures of seagulls. Um, it is Jonathan Livingston Seagull uh, by Richard Bark. And it's an allegory and I didn't actually get any of that it's actually fairly gaudy but I didn't get any of that when I first read it um, because it's mostly an allegory it's, it's about a seagull who knows he could be different and better and he could live on a higher vibration oh lovely and how he um, manages to transform his world so he's one of the flock but he's different he feels different he feels like he's a bit of an outcast but then he goes and finds a whole other way of living and finds his tribe and his higher vibration flock. So um, this is so apt for the discussion about you know. So one of the reasons people get so depressed is because they feel outside and different to, and uh, and especially with so much social media, not feeling quite so connected. So I think that was a really beautiful book to recommend. Yeah. Thank you so very much. And it's so simple and quick and easy. Like you can read it in a yeah. simple sitting. Yeah. Nice cup of coffee and a piece yeah. of cake. Yeah, <laughs> always. Thanks so much, Judith. I do hope you've all found that uh, useful. Do please uh, like and share because this is something you don't know how much somebody's suffering on the outside. So please do that. And if you haven't already, do subscribe. Take care now.